Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. The only podcast that combines the two greatest things in the world, politics and Real Housewives knowledge. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Maritza. Now, every week, we kick off the podcast with a callback to our favorite housewives tagline. Maritza, why don't you start us off? What's your tagline, and which housewife are you repping this week? Okay, so Rachel, this week, I'm repping uh, one of the greats, uh, Brandy Glanville, from uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And this is the money doesn't give you class. It just gives you money. And we all know her as the arch nemesis of Leanne Rimes and EDC Brian. Amazing. <laughs> so mine is also uh, coming from California. I chose Lori Peterson, one of the OGs from the OC season one. And her tagline is, I was poor. I was rich. I was poor again. And you know what? Having money is easier. Oh, there you go. That's what I think everyone can say in this day and age. That's right. <laughs> okay. So at the top of today's podcast, we're digging into the debate in Congress over taxes. And in the second half of the show, Maritza, you're going to give us the latest side dish from deep in the heart of Texas with the Real Housewives of Dallas. We've got a lot to cover. So let's kick things off with the top story in California politics this week. Uh, Rachel, handing it over to you. Great. Uh, so I think as you know, folks have seen in the news, the, the big story, the lead story nationally and here in California has been the conversation over taxes, um, not tax reform, as the Republican leadership would have you believe, but tax cuts <laughs> uh, for the wealthiest Americans and corporations. So again, you know, the whole premise of this bill is really a reverse Robin Hood scenario. It's yes. taking from the poor to give to the rich. And there's been a lot of discussion in sort of local and state circles about what this bill means for California. And, you know, as, as I said, it, it actually gives a tax increase to many of our state's working families. It gives tax breaks to the wealthiest Americans and, and leaves behind low and middle income families, you know, folks who are working just trying to put food on the table and um, it's going to cause a, a lot of stress and, and burden for families here in California. So I know in my non-podcasting life, in my professional life, I do advocacy uh, around hunger and poverty issues. And this has been a big topic in, in my community is how do we push back against this, something that is so detrimental and so harmful, you know, not only for people at the very bottom, for our lowest income communities, but really just hurts everyday working people. Right. Definitely, uh, they think trickle-down economics, but really it's trickle-down problems. Absolutely. If there's problems at the top, there's going to be problems at the bottom. But if yeah. everyone's rich at the top, uh, they don't care who's at the bottom. That's right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Inconsequential. Yeah. And I thought what was really interesting, so, you know, the House bill was voted on this week. California Republicans played a really interesting role in the House they vote did. this week. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So, um so folks may or may not know, so we have 14 very influential Republicans in the California congressional delegation. Three of our Republican representatives voted against the bill. So we had Daryl Issa, we had Dana Rohrabacher, um, and Tom McClintock, um, all of whom occupy very vulnerable congressional seats. Um, vulnerable meaning maybe switched over to the other side? Yes. In the yes. next election? Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, these are folks who in, in 2018 are absolutely on the chopping block. Daryl Issa actually occupies the most vulnerable congressional seat hmm. nationally. And, you know, there are people just looking to come after these guys. Uh, you know, the Republicans have been, and the California Republicans in particular, have just been really in lockstep throughout, you know, the beginnings of the Trump administration. I mean, they uniformly voted to 
strip away people's health care. They, you know, came in very hot on tax. Um, Thankfully, it was an issue that was so complicated in many ways that it left their group a little bit fractured. Um, Yeah. I think some of that was probably, you know, Republican leadership saying, hey, you know, we know you guys are in multiple races and your seats are, you know, likely to be switched over, you know, to the Dems potentially. So maybe you can you can vote no this one time. But it was good to see them break away all the same. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts, Maritza? Well, I think that it, it definitely shows the reflection of where California is in terms of like what you said, the vulnerability of their seats. Anything can switch them over right away. And I think voters are just really paying attention, especially voters who I think voted for the Trump administration and for anyone related to or who echoed his campaign sentiments, you know, Mm -hmm. draining of the swamp and giving back to the middle class. And I think they're really holding on to that notion that he's actually there and going to do something about it. And these the tax bill is just a clear indication that. Uh, he's doing quite the opposite of draining it. <laughs> I think he's adding more filth. It's to the it's swamp. getting it's getting swampier somehow. It, is that is that the correct term? I don't know. Swampier. It's getting more marshy. Let's get more, more marshy. More marshy. And I, I it's just really interesting to see the role of California. I mean, you have the what the sixth, seventh largest economy in the world, right? And we depend on the working class and the middle class, and it's it's obvious that they're hurting. You have other states where the middle class doesn't even exist anymore. You're either rich or you're poor. I mean, the state of Mississippi has the largest poverty rate in all of the union. What, like 60, 70% on Medicaid and Medi-Cal? Right. right. It's a clear indication that something's going on, and the tax bill is just pushing us further to the edge. And I go back. In order for there to be a top, there has to be a bottom. Right. right, And they're making sure that the bottom is consistent, so there's less of the top. Right. And everybody is getting squeezed. And and I think that was something that was really clear um, with the House version of the bill is that, you know, the Republicans are going after everybody. It doesn't matter where you fall on the economic spectrum, whether you're, you know, working poor, whether you're middle class, whether you're upper middle class or very wealthy. Um, You know, there's very few people who benefit from this. And it's really only the people at the top. And what was interesting was, you know, many of the folks at the top were actually pushing back against Congress and the president and saying, look, we don't want these tax cuts. We're not asking for these tax cuts. That's it, what felt really bizarre about it also, right? It kind of felt like the timing was a little off. Exactly. Like I, I kind of turned on the news or kind of started reading the paper and I was like, where did this tax bill come from? Weren't we, wasn't, aren't there other things we should be discussing besides raising taxes right now? Right. There's, there's a host of other things we could be ta- <laughs> talking about with, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, uh, and there was a lot of interesting messaging happening on social media, on Twitter. You know, there were members of Congress um, tweeting out things like, well, what else could you do with one and a half trillion dollars? Literally anything. Yeah. You could forgive, you know, massive student loan debt. You could right. invest in more jobs. You right. could do a host of things that actually help working families and middle class, you could, you know, do things like expand the EITC, you know, tax credits, all sorts of things that actually help people who are in poverty, help people who are in the middle class. um, I'm sorry, are you asking the government to help people? What kind of world do you live in, Rachel? This is crazy. That's not the role of government. The role of government is not to provide services. That's That's insane. They're not a safety net to humanity. How dare you? What do you think this is, a democracy? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, sorry. I thought we were talking about America or, or the Kremlin. Maybe. Oh. Mm, mm. There you go. Autocracy at its best. <laughs> sorry. I love Russian politics. I apologize. <laughs> Thought-provoking stuff. Sorry. <laughs> truly. <laughs> but I want to I, I, I wanna return to the housewives for just a moment because I think – So important. There is a role. I mean, if we're going to talk about taxes, we have to talk about the housewives. Um, and I was I was thinking about this a lot this week. And okay. you know, I remember when I first started watching the housewives, and I think about what initially drew me in, which was just again this very like voyeuristic uh, appeal. You know, looking into the lives of the rich and famous, and mm-hmm. just getting a sense of what their lives was, lives were like. And um, you know, for me, I mean, the entire premise of the show is so deeply embedded in the construction and maintenance of wealth. Right. And building off of that, how we think about wealth, status, upward, morbili- upward mobility, excuse me, is in many cases a function of our politics. Yeah. A reflection, and yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely a reflection. And, uh, and, and it got me thinking back to some of the some of the different uh, moments with the housewives. And, and in particular, it got me thinking about the last season uh, of The Real Housewives of New York, uh, which yes. mm-hmm. focused on the 2016 election. Right. A pivotal moment in our history. And the election played a really big part in that season. Um, you had Carol Radziwill, who is not only a princess, but a former journalist with ABC News, writer, brilliant woman all around, uh, a very vocal supporter of Hillary Clinton. And then you had a few of the other housewives. You had someone like Ramona Singer, who came from very humble beginnings, uh, daughter of Polish immigrants, um, you know, kind of very much a self-made woman. Yeah, very um, successful. And very successful, Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult has a very entitled, narrow view about money, wealth, and status. Right. I think she definitely is one of those, like, if I could do it, then you could do it. Right, right. Forgetting that she is the definition of breaking the glass ceiling. You're a white woman. You're a white woman, and and also just the idea, you know, we we live in a country that really prides itself – on the sort of mythology that we live in a meritocracy, that we right. live in a society where if you work hard enough and you, you know you lift yourself up by your bootstraps, then you can be a success story. But yeah. that's not the truth. It's true for some people. What? It's tr- I know. <gasps> this is earth-shattering analysis here on Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. <laughs> Episode two, guys. Episode, Episode two. two. We are getting deep. <laughs> oh my god! Every every my ground is shaking. Right? Mine too. <laughs> my foundation. <laughs> You've shook me to my core. Oh, goodness. But it's true. But I mean, as, I mean, it's something obviously, you know, the two of us both know and understand well, but, but people are still so grounded in this mythology and this, in this ideology that, right. that, yes, you can. And those who can't, those who can't, you know, rise out of poverty or, you know, are stuck in, you know, generational poverty, things like that, that it's, you know, it's, it's a moral By their failing. Own exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we see that all the time in, yeah. you know, in played out in our public policy, you know, we see things like adding work requirements for food assistance or for medical assistance, things like that. Mm-hmm. And because we believe that, you know, we're a very individualistic society, we're yeah. a very individualistic culture. We don't really believe in the sort of collective kind of aspect. We don't believe right. necessarily in caring for one another. 
it's like the irony. They believe that they have, I shouldn't say they, the system is meant to provide the opportunity. Right. But we don't put back anything into the system. Exactly. So we have like a crumbling infrastructure of like education. Um, I mean, going back to what you said about like having criteria, like work criteria to get, you know, EBT food stamps. I mean, you have people abusing the system. You have people who really need it. There's no, there's nothing really, everything's kind of like Mickey Mouse that I want to say. <laughs> it's all very like, yeah, everything works like la 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 la. But it's like you tear down the walls and you're like in a garage in a warehouse. Right. Well, and you when know, you, it's like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Well, and to your point, you know, if you, if you don't invest in the system, if you don't invest in services, if you defund services or you don't fund them at the levels that they need, and then over time they become less effective or ultimately they fail, it's easy to say, well, this program doesn't work. But Rachel, that's why we need to tax everyone more. God. I know. Well, I just, I think it's funny, like, going back to, like, what you were talking about, the Real Housewives, you had, like, Ramona and Carol, like, really just, during, any time the election came up, they were just at each other's throats. Absolutely. It was cutthroat. It was cutthroat. And then at the reunion, I remember Andy asked the question, like, straight up, who did you vote for? Right. This was great. And then everyone kind of raised their hand, and they played, and I just, I'll focus on Tinsley. I'll add this to bid in. I mean... She comes in and she's trying to make a staple back in New York. And she's trying to like get her back. I really liked her. I enjoyed her. Right. She's an no, interesting and, addition to the cast. And Tinsley's really interesting because, you know, she comes from this, you know, very wealthy Southern family, was right. basically just a socialite, which was a thing I didn't even know existed anymore. Oh, no, it does. I don't know. You could just go to fashion shows and just do the no, you philanthropic circuit. And is that not what? is going to happen on this podcast are we not going to become socialites i'm really confused i hope so i again. sure hope so it's my meal ticket that's what i'm again. hoping for again stop breaking my foundation rachel <laughs> you're tearing me apart but i mean like he goes and asks everyone like who did you vote for and she kind of had like this face and you're kind of like oh did she vote for trump you know like you're waiting right. for that and she's like right. oh it was just so hard like moving and I was in New York and everyone's like, wait, 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 did you like not vote? And like Carol's her bestie at this point. And she's like, right. no, I just didn't vote. It's just not my thing. Sorry. Oh, like, oh my God. I wish it wasn't my thing. Imagine like the life I would lead, lead if I, if I didn't care. Right. If and I if could just have as much, like just be so affluent that I was just like, oh, who's president? Doesn't matter. Doesn't I'm matter. S- still rich bitch. Donald Trump money to quote it's it's insane and I mean and that sentiment was was not only profoundly felt with with people like a Tinsley Mortimer you know folks who are very much within sort of the top one percent mm-hmm. um, but I recall seeing that sentiment with you know folks who had been avid diehard Bernie Sanders supporters yeah I mean we're still seeing fallback from that you know eight nine months later the Bernieites. Um, they're still they're still in it yeah they they haven't forgotten no they are the they are the less intense version of the tea party on the democrat side right they right. really they really fractured the party i think 
They did. They did. And there were plenty of people who, you know, were avid Bernie supporters. And then when the nomination went to Hillary Clinton, many of them stayed home and didn't vote. They said disillusionment completely taken over. Absolutely. And to me that, you know, whether, you know, whether you're a Dem, whether you're a Republican, you know, party affiliation is, is not the point. It's, it's the issue of entitlement and privilege. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what's driving these right. kinds of decision is decisions is that you just feel like, well, I don't have to. You know, my world will still be okay. Right. I can still wake up and nothing in my world will have really changed. Right. And talk about Sonia Morgan and her relation and just how what her attitude was. I mean, bizarre. Absolutely. So so Sonia Morgan is really interesting. Again, she has been in the real Housewives of New York cast for almost the whole time. She wasn't she wasn't a founding member member, but um she was She married. was going to be. She was going to be. And That's we, true. Yeah. That's true. She was going to be, but she was married into the Morgan family of JP Morgan. So huge historic, you know, financial family here in here in the United States, basically American royalty, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, and was a former consultant with Donald Trump, which is something that one of the other New York housewives, Dorinda Medley, brought up multiple times throughout <laughs> that season. She had she had her little private investigators and uh, snoops just, just going in and looking for dirt on Sonia Morgan. Um, she said, what are you doing here without Dorinda? Looking for dirt. Looking for dirt. <laughs> looking for cheese yeah. uh, But no, and, and Sonia, similar to Tinsley, was kind of this very sort of absent uh, kind of figure in all of this. You know, again, it was... I think she sort of had the attitude that, well, my vote doesn't really matter. I'm very wealthy. I will probably be fine. Yeah. Oh, and Donald Trump, he's a family friend. He's so nice. Right, right. Uh, Wonderful uh, person. Great, great guy. <laughs> great. Like, good to know. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks. Uh, anyways, uh, <sighs> thanks, Sonia, for your insight. Looking forward to uh, much looking more. For- looking forward to much more. Yeah. And again, it goes back to like, uh, you see, you see the people like the Carols, like the Bethany's and Bethany was, you know, neutral kind of, territory, kind of a neutral party. Yeah. Kind of like, I feel, I really feel like echoed kind of everyone. I am so over it. Right. So, right. Uh, Cause that's how I, I don't know about you, but I had total camp campaign fatigue by the end of it. I was like, I can't, I, I can't deal with it. I completely agree. And, and that was definitely something that, that even Carol mentioned, you know, in the days before the election, you know, she said that she felt like she was in a malaise. And I think we yeah. all felt that way. I think yeah. that was, that was yeah. honestly quite accurate. I mean, it was a very emotionally draining yeah. campaign. And I don't think I felt good about myself and the state of this country until the Women's March. Oh, I completely agree. And did you attend? I did. Wonderful. I saw, so which one were you at? Were you at the was, LA one? I was at the LA one in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. I saw um, Barbara Streisand speak. Oh, incredible. And I lost my shit. I okay? love Barbara Streisand. I mean, Barbara's, what Jewish woman worth her salt? I'm not can't. Jewish. I must have been in a past life. but I think you probably were. That's very Jewish. Um, but Barbara Streisand and then who else was there? Uh, oh, shit. My brain. Uh, she's in Grace and Frankie on Netflix. Oh my God, I'm so gonna like Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda spoke, yes. and she refused. And then like since that day, I know we say Donald Trump's name on this podcast, but in my personal life, 
I just say the number of president he is. I don't actually say his name. I typically just say 45 as well. It's just, it's just so much easier. It's it just is like, easier. Or like, Voldemort. Oh, he who must not be named. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it was – I really think that that's when you really felt like, okay, I'm not the only one who feels disillusioned. And hopefully, you know, this tax bill, when people really start to see the chaos – Again, it's like 1984 all over again. It really is. It really is. And it's not as as explosive as healthcare was. You know, healthcare was no. a really easy no. thing for people to understand because it was so intimate and personal. You know, everyone's been sick. Everyone knows what it's like right. to care for a loved one who's been sick or been in an accident or, you know, couldn't afford the care that they needed. And, and taxes are a, a little bit of a difficult thing to message. It's a little more nebulous. It was very yeah. complex. There's something just innately intimidating about taxes. You know, you you, know, you think about taxes and you're like, oh God, I, I don't understand any of this, but. Yeah, and not everyone pays it. Let's keep it real. Not everyone right. works and not everyone sees their money come out of their check. Right. Yeah, right. again, taxes really only affect the middle. If you're rich, you have to pay them. If you're poor, you got to pay them, but you don't feel it coming out as much as if you're in the middle. Right, right. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be some more, con- more, and I guess continued pushback on this. I mean, the bill's going to have to go through the Senate. I know their plan is not going to be any better, but thankfully, we have <laughs> our senator, our champion Kamala Harris, who will hopefully uh, be yes. giving the Republicans some serious, you know, just hell. <laughs> One would hope. That's why One they're would... there. That's why they're there. Right. They're supposed yeah. to represent in a perfect world. But all, 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 all that said, um, I want to wrap up our political conversation, and I really want to turn Aww. it over to you <laughs> to hear the latest on the Housewives. Little old me. Little old you. Um, so, Maritza, tell me, what is the scoop on the Housewives this week? I know there's a lot to talk about. Okay, so there is. But I know last week was episode one, and we were kind of discussing everything, and you and I decided that we're just really going to focus, especially when there's a reunion we're just going to really dig deep into the reunion episode. You got to um, give it the time it deserves. You just you just got to give a season the time. And we kind of started at an awkward time, like at the end of Dallas. And, you know, you got New Jersey going on. Orange County is going to have the first reunion episode, I think, tomorrow, right? Or is it next week? I don't know. I got to check, check my TV guide. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get our facts through. We got to get our ducks in a row. Yeah. But um, so when those, re- I think it's important to give the reunions the their due diligence and the time and really dissect. But first and foremost, we have to discuss the preview that came out for Beverly Hills. Yes. Okay. So I think we're going to live in a world where Orange County, New Jersey, Beverly Hills, and Atlanta will be airing at the same time. Oh my God. I think it might happen. I think. I don't know if they, they have enough information to do a three-part reunion for Orange County, but if they do, we're going to be in a very odd nebulous and just, it's going to be like Mercury and Retrograde Housewives Edition, okay? I love it. So, Beverly Hills. Okay. Everyone's back. Erica yes. Girardi, Pat the Puss. Okay. I am how obsessed m- with her. I love Erica. Great club hits. Like, how many fucks do I give? Hum-de-dum-de-dum-day, yay-yay is the lyric, Okay. It's incredible. Then we have Dorit Kemsley, um, who we don't know where she's from. Okay. She's from Connecticut and she has this horrible accent and just says, PK, my love. And she's just, she's, I liked her. I thought she was a really interesting addition. 
um, she works and kind of has this like fabulous life and, but is also kind of dramatic. Okay. She, she was just a really cool addition. Okay. I think she really brought a lot and got a lot along with Lisa. We Great. got Kyle, Kyle Richards, the OG. Wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. Lisa Rinna. I don't know how you feel about her, but I love. Lisa Rinna. She's such a polarizing character. But in the best way. But in the best way. Because that bunny last season. Oh, my God. When she, when she got off the reunion and was like, it was just like one tear. And like, I bought this bunny wrapped in cellophane for your grandson. It was so, she's so like soap opera. Um, she's so good. She is. Um, she's Le- a total nut. Love of course, it. Lisa Vanderpump. Okay. She's one of my favorites. I love yeah. Lisa Vanderpump. She's fun. She's, I think sometimes she can be a little, uh, I don't want to say boring, but a little flat, but never dull, if that makes sense. And yeah. I like her, I like her in the group dynamic. I do. I like, yeah. I like that too. I like that too. Okay. And then a big one. Camille Grammer is back. Ooh, okay. And I'm pretty sure she's on as a full housewife and she's got like a diamond because, you know, they hold diamonds in there. Okay. And they're open. So then she's she's legit. She's back in the squad. She's back in. So she's Great. back in. And I, I've always liked her and I think that she made a really cool transition from like this kind of like doting housewife and kind of obsessed with Kelsey Grammer and his their family and then the divorce happened and then her cancer and then her like abusive boyfriend. She's just like really... She's coming to her own a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, and she kind of, kind of, she keeps it. Again, we talked about it a little bit last week with the how, things I do and don't like about housewives. She creates a balance. She can have really dark things going on, but can also have a lot of fun, and she's cool. I like her. Yeah, that's true. That's a good assessment. The new one is Teddy Mellencamp uh, Arroyave. I'm going to say it with an accent because it has a double R with a Y and a V-E. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm into it. I like it. John Mellencamp's daughter she another blonde i'm assuming natural like they all are (laughs) (laughs) in beverly hills and um the preview was very cool um kind of connecting it back to like us talking about everyone kind of being like affluent and this like disconnect of like when you're really rich they go to tokyo berlin all they show is like their private jets right everything is the top it's very 90210. Everything is very posh. And I, the best yes. of the best. Beverly Hills, I think ever since the Taylor Armstrong drama, you'll recall when her husband killed himself, was abusive. Then you had yes. like Kim and Kyle Richards and her alcoholism and the sisters and the drama. They kind of kept it very... If the very depth, light. But yeah, if, if the pool goes very feet deep, they kind of go only about five to six yeah they're definitely waiting in the shallow end of the pool they are definitely in the kiddie pool they're definitely more for entertainment they're like lifestyles of the rich and famous how much jewelry can we show you how many change of clothes erica girardi comes out wearing a pink wig in tokyo like it's so extra it's great the theme i think we talked about theme i think it's going to be like friendship jealousy because there's definitely there's in beverly hills there's always like this need for one person to kind of be the the ringleader. Absolutely. And typically and think, that's been Lisa. Lisa or Kyle, I feel like, have. But they've always had that battle. Right. Right. It's been the real battle for the ages. Yeah. They either get along and everyone get along. They they're, they either polarize everyone while they're getting along or they don't get along and they split the group. Right. Right. So, and then you see Lisa, like, drive away and she's like, I'm going to go hang out with my husband who actually wants to hang out with me. 
and then like Dorit and like Kyle are like okay rude and Erica says like the problem with them is that they just like they want to see who's like the better friend out of all of them they just like are so jealous of each other right and then she says you have to cut the head off the devil and you see kind of like Teddy who's the new one kind of fighting with them confronting Erica confronting Dorit it's just gonna be Beverly Hills it's gonna be crazy I'm excited and the best part is when you're in town, Rachel, you and I can just go to every single restaurant they go to and just order like an app because that's all we can afford. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. We'll split with, this, a gl- with this new tax plan, that's all we can afford. Okay, like an appetizer. We're gonna split well, an appetizer. We're gonna split, split mozzarella sticks and a drink and get a glass an of rosé. <laughs> um, so that's Beverly Hills. So I just wanted to focus on that because I think that's such an important staple to the franchise. And again, connecting to money and this, you know, when you have it, flaunt it. And when you don't, you don't, okay? Absolutely. All right. So for my friend, Real Houses of Dallas. Woo. Reunion. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. All bull, no horns. No. I love All that. horns, no bull. Or All something horns. like that. <laughs> so it was a 2 It doesn't matter. It's a terrible tagline. It was <laughs> terrible, but don't talk about Leanne Locken. She has hands. These hands. We'll get into that. We'll okay, get okay. into that. Yeah. So yeah. I titled the two-part. I'm going to title everything, okay? I love it. I titled it Vicious, Vain, and Very Texas. Ooh, I love I, it. I also like alliteration. <laughs> Me too. Okay. I'm going to do a breakdown of each housewife. And, you know, feel free to interject since I know you watched the reunion, but you didn't really keep up with the whole season. But the reunions are basically the season. It's First a great you, synopsis. So I'm excited. It's great. And the, of Let's course, you always start with like the happy-go-lucky, like, look at how much fun we had. And oh, my God. And, and then, then it just immediately like, deteriorates. And then it's it incredible. Dips incredibly deep. So first we had Leon Locken. So for me, her highlights of the season, she just wins the season. Everything. <laughs> she took advantage of every screen time. Quotes after quote after quote. When she was like high off Xanax before her boob job by a vagina doctor. And she said, these hands... I may not have knives, but I have these hands. That like, was freaky. I, I have to say, I, I did watch that episode. And, of course, they called back to it during the reunion. And I was really scared listening to that. Do you think she was high? She might have been. Um, okay. She might have been. But this is someone who has a lot of anger issues. Yes. Yes. A lot of anger issues. Just cross and that anger. Let's just call just, it issues. Just just highlight. <laughs> right there. And and that was that was hard to watch. That was really disturbing to me. But yeah. Carry on. So other highlight when she broke the glass at the winter ball. Right. And she said, I hope it smells like dog shit and you sop it all up when Carrie said her breath stank and her belt broke. I mean, she just she serves it, okay? And that she, was terrifying. You were scared? I was. I <sighs> was. I mean, she really smashed that glass. And having someone get that in your face is always terrifying. Well, and it's like Cameron said, now I know why you have plastic cups. <laughs> your Cameron Westcott impersonation is Thank you. on point. Thank you so much. Gracias. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll get into Cameron Westcott's yeah. poor Spanish soon enough. Okay, again. I gotta repeat the boob job by the vagina doctor. 
I have never heard the phrase vagina doctor uttered so many times. Oh, I wish I had gotten a tally of the number of times it was said during that reunion. We should probably, have a... probably 20. Yeah. And then that's actually an OBGYN, by the way, for all those listening. A vagina doctor is an OBGYN. A vagina right. doctor. Technically. Yeah. Technically. But it's an OBGYN. Whatever. Mm. Then that led to a flesh-eating bacteria. Right. <sighs> Things got dark for Leanne. It's good. It's good. It's so good. Okay. I could not believe that. The next thing she got engaged, and I think her like fiance, well now fiance, I think he's really sweet. Okay. I think he really does care for her. I think deep down, Leanne definitely has a lot of issues, but she's definitely someone who wants to be accepted and loved. And I dig her. I know you you said you were scared, but I was, I was legitimately. I, I think like, I think so much of their partners are reflections of who they are, like off the camera. And he's so patient and nice to her, and kind of like goes along with everything she says and I, he wins the patience award for housewives because she's she's cuckoo for cocoa puffs give that man a trophy yeah and he seems really nice he's like a police officer and he's he hmm. just seems like a really seems like a good guy earth cool guy and she does too when she's not crazy <laughs> right when she's not acting a fool she she has she's, her moments yeah yeah um and of course a lot of the focus was on her on and off again relationship with brandy redmond Yes. Um, who was like sitting across from her on the same side of the couch. So they really focused on that and divulged into that. And I'll get into Brandy. I'm going step by step. But um, it was between like basically Leanne, Carrie and Brandy and kind of Stephanie on the periphery and then Cameron and DeAndre kind of all meshed in. So I, I thought it was a really, really good reunion. And I think Leanne really held her own with everything going on. Absolutely. Next is Carrie Duber. Carrie right. Duber, I don't know. They say it kind of funny. So that's Leanne's. Yeah, they do you, Duber. Do you, I don't think it's Duber. It's Carrie. I'll just say Carrie. We'll just say Carrie. So she's Leanne's nemesis. Um, I think her highlights of the season um was like her marriage. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was that chaotic. chaotic. Oh, there you go. It was. Uh, it was a lot, and I mean, when Brandy said that she was the nanny. And that they had an affair, and that's how they got married. Right. And she broke up Mark, her husband's marriage to his first wife. It was just like, what? And let's 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 break that down. Let's set this up a little bit because okay. so so Carrie Carrie Duber Carrie Duber Duber yeah I think Duber Duber yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get it eventually. So her husband Mark is a plastic surgeon, and yes. they have a practice where they he work has together. The pract- no, he has, he the practice. has the practice, and she worked for him. For a long time right and now right. they work they work together constantly they're together all the time right so they work mm-hmm. together and they're married yes. um and there were some accusations made during the reunion that you know carrie had been the nanny i guess for mark and his ex-wife yeah correct but this goes back to the first season which was like a dead okay. so they've, they this is these are rumors that are not new what brandy did was that she allegedly confirmed it Mm, i see yeah so she said and you're the one who told me that you were the nanny oh i see yeah so that was that was it wasn't shocking it was shocking that it was confirmed i see okay okay Mm -hmm. all right i'm in now i got it yeah and so then they really discussed mark a lot and i don't know well, Dr. Duber, Mark Duber, he comes out a lot in the season. He kind of gives me like a Peter Thomas slash Terry Dubrow kind of. 
Yes. Very much. Housewives husband. Yes. He definitely loves his screen time. Oh, absolutely. In the beginning of the season, we follow them because he's in a, like, fashion competition. Right. He's in this, like, culture map competition, which is a big sort of um, fashion fashion event yeah you like you dress up like like a model basically and they judge your outfit right yeah like three signature looks Mm -hmm. and then they picked their favorites uh he did not win no spoiler yeah um and i just i kept thinking like remember when peter was like andy where's my peach where's my tagline and i thought oh this is very like reminiscent of that absolutely i also think like their relationship i think they try to be like heather and terry where they're kind of in that medical field, really successful working together. Right. But they just don't seem to work, and he seems really bratty. And he came out on the reunion saying that he was shown in a bad light, and, you know, it's, was, not, it's not always like that, but he was kind of like a douche. I was going to say, I, I was just going to say, he was behaving really badly the entire yeah. season. And yeah. there was a lot of criticism towards Mark because of – how jealous he seems of Carrie's relationship with their daughter. Yeah. Zuri. Yeah. And having watched that, I mean, I have to agree. He was very controlling and bizarre to his wife about her relationship with her own daughter. Yeah. It was, like I said, chaotic is the only term that I can think of. And I think that just really spilled over on top of the accusations that Leanne made about Mark possibly being gay and, going to like a gay bar and she knew the men who had you know performed sexual acts with him and it was like very like I think I honestly think Leanne was like talking out of her ass personally I think so too I think so too it just got ugly and unnecessary I think there were hurt feelings that were fueling that and and both of them are nasty both Mm -hmm. Carrie and Leanne are nasty to each other but I didn't like how they kind of spun it and, like, does it matter if he's gay? She's being, like, pseudo, like, it's homophobic. I was like, well, it's not that it matters. It's that it matters because remember where you live and the image is everything. And right. especially right. if they're saying that you broke up a marriage. It's just, it was all very, like, I mean, nice try, Carrie. It was all <laughs> about the optics of it, right? It was like, yeah. how does this look? Exactly. And that's all. And I think that's all Leanne was actually trying to say. I don't think she really cared whether he was gay or not. I think she just kind of said like, "Oh, she's the nanny, and he maybe is on the DL. Way to right. go, right? Way exactly. To, way to be successful, guys." I completely agree. Okay, next was Deandra Simmons. I um, love Deandra. I okay. think she is. She well, she and um. Oh my goodness, um, Miss Miss Westcott um, are just classic Dallas women. Yes, in my opinion. Well, don't go to Miss Westcott yet because I'm gonna do her whole thing in her accent. Oh, great! <laughs> but Deandra, her highlight was Mama D. Mama D. Mama Gotta D. Love her. Okay, and her skincare line, and she was just not ready to hand over the keys, Deandra. Deandra, you do not know about budgets, Deandra. You were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, Deandra. I will not watch. I will not watch you drive this company to the ground. I will not. That those were hard conversations to watch. Yeah. uh, Learning a little bit more about Deandra's backstory. Again, a a housewife who seems really educated, who really had an interesting potential sort of uh, career. uh, Much earlier on, I mean, she had lived and worked in D.C. Um, She was, you know, blossoming political career. Yeah. 
Yeah, blossoming mm-hmm. truly. Um, you know, was had been offered a job at the Department of Energy, a very high level job there. And her mom, you know, basically told her, "I need you to come back. I need you to help, you know, run this company, eventually take it over." And then that was, you know, probably over ten years ago. And she's still bargaining with her mom to try yeah. and have her hand the reins over again. When you work hard for something, you don't want to let it go. That's right. That's <laughs> and you right. don't want to see it fail. But I think I think she was good. And I think it was nice to see her be like a really good friend to Leanne and kind of like pull the reins on her and be like, look, you're being psycho. I'm right. going to tell you. you. And, and to your point, Deandra gives really good advice. I mean, she she, she, she calls it like it is. Yeah. As, as all housewives claim to do. You know, I tell it like it is. I'm a straight shooter. Yeah. And But she really is. I mean, she really has very level-headed advice and perspective and I think she she does a good job of kind of maintaining the balance you know keeping that boat floating (laughs) so I think she was a good a good a good friend to Leanne in terms of substance I don't think she added a lot but I think she definitely helped balance out the cast absolutely okay so Brandy okay Brandy Redman so her highlight of the season was uh, well her mommy makeover is what she kind of started out with what she got last season and then she was having problems getting pregnant. She was blaming it on her tummy tuck and all this stuff. But come to find out in the reunion, she's actually in early menopause. <laughs> that was that was wild. I did yeah. not expect to hear that. Uh, her whole role this season was she was the shit stirrer. Let's keep it real. She really was. She was the friend hopper. She was the alliance maker, alliance breaker. Like, yeah. The straw that serves the drink, the shitster, all everything, those things. Everything, everything, everything. She was the neutral bullet to chaos. Okay, like she just blended <laughs> it, and it was nice to kind of see her and Stephanie get along again this season and kind of be friends because that was kind of sad that they kind of had that falling out. But I, I wish that she had. I don't know. She 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 polarized the group. She talked a lot of shit. And she burned a lot of bridges. And I think it's weird that she was so easily able to forgive Stephanie, who was like her best friend. And I think really did her dirty. I mean, they really had a nasty fallout. They did. that last season. But she can't forgive Leanne for just being like, and it's like Leanne is psycho with everyone, Brandy. You know, if you see that one friend that literally is crazy with every single person, you know, it's just her. Right. Right. Just say it's fine. Like, just let it go. Keep your spot on the show and just freaking forgive her she's good tv the end but no (laughs) but maybe that's her role to provoke good tv right right absolutely okay i what did you think of sexual chocolate oh my god i so i thought that was a really interesting moment on the trip but i i want you to sort of set it up a little bit and just explain what happened to mexico and Brandy and Stephanie, when they get together, I think they act a little childish. And by a little, I mean like a lot. And they brought a large um, sexual toy, like a dildo. And it's not, not like a dildo. It was a dildo. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not a simile. It's like actual. <laughs> it's not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. Um, it's so <laughs> they were using it and like poking and prodding. And they just were really getting under Carrie and Cameron's skin and they just again they're allowed to make a joke they're allowed to be psycho and funny and stupid but if anyone else is then they just get so like ugh, like I don't know I just uh, I thought it was funny like a little bit because it like kind of like annoyed Cameron 
who was annoying anyways. But at the same time, it was, it just shows the kind of person Brandy is. Like, she can only make connections on really, like, inane. Kind of superficial levels. I wouldn't say superficial. She's just, huh? like, stupid. Mm. Well, maybe that's better. <laughs> like, she just kind of makes connections with people based on really, like, literally the word nasty, I think. Like, she's friends with Leanne because they're being nasty to Stephanie and sort of carry and then she's friends with stephanie because they're being kind of nasty to everyone and that's then that, true it's just like different levels of nasty nasty in terms of emotions nasty in terms of behavior it's 50 shades of nasty Ugh. that's it guys <laughs> um i was kind but, of oh go ahead no i was gonna i was gonna say um just returning to you know hashtag dildo gate um <laughs> sexual chocolate sexual chocolate <laughs> i you know, I, I, I'm i definitely at the same mind as you. You know, I, I thought it was kind of funny. I could see how something like that would be annoying. I, you know, thinking about sort of someone like Cameron, who's very, you know, very buttoned up and, uptight. you know, likes to, ups tight, likes to sort of project this very um, sort of pure sort of moral um, kind of optics and persona. Um, I think she could have loosened up a little bit, but I, I see how that sort of thing would be annoying too. So I, I, I see both sides. Again, it's funny the first five minutes. And then they just keep going and then they're mad that everyone's annoyed. It's like, you know, if you have, you know, like I had two brothers and when we were younger, we would fight and we, you know, we'd get into sort of things where it's like, you know, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. And you're like, okay, that's kind of funny for a second. But then it's like, can we, can we move on? Can we stop? (laughs) Let's, let's do a new game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I was kind of confused as to like where she kind of was at the end because Carrie said that she forgave her for again allegedly confirming that she was a nanny then brandy said like i just said it because i was angry and i'd never actually you never actually told me that you were and they kind of went into it and explained it i'm not going to go into it because basically carrie said that she wasn't and they went into like the timeline of their relationship and it doesn't coincide with her ever being like an actual nanny and breaking up the marriage but she was like i'll forgive you but it's going to take me a long time to trust you so I was like, is Brandy's only friend Stephanie, question mark? Because mm. she didn't get along with Cameron. She was kind of, again, nasty to DeAndre at the reunion and kind of like, well, you do this, you do that. And she's she's just nasty. Mm-hmm. Definitely not friends with Leanne. Right. For sure. Uh, Carrie said kind of, yeah. So I, I'm kind of confused as to where she's at. So I think next season, a, a lot of her time is going to be having to find a group to align with because I think Karen Carrie feels really burned right no I I think you're totally right yeah I think you're absolutely right all right so Stephanie ooh, and her tacky house that was her highlight of the season oh my god that house was terrible (laughs) with the pool in the middle and I mean I I like I felt I I felt bad for her though I felt like she kind of got bullied into that house you know she just her husband just kind of made the decision, and she just got kind of swept along. Well, and again, remember, like, I think she still feels a lot of guilt about the last season where she wasn't really committed to their relationship. So I think right now, anything to kind of appease them and mm. help them move forward, she's kind of willing True. to do. True. True. I think that I appreciated her, like, showing her kids and, like, how her son has a dyslexia, like, learning disabilities. And she seems like a really good mom. And... She got really emotional talking about it. So I appreciated that because I feel like they did show the other White House of their kids, but she really seemed like 
kind of the most down to earth out of all of them. Yeah, she seems like, really connected to her family life, yeah, which was so nice I thought, to see. Okay, like she's making a sacrifice and living in that disgustingly tacky house. With the... It was so tacky. Um, <laughs> she's making it work, you know? I think she's really codependent with Brandy and it bothers me. Yes, she absolutely. Can't, she can't make friends outside of Brandy and Carrie and it's like, why can't you just like try to reach? I know her and Leanne are not going to get along, but you could have tried to be cool with Cameron. You could have tried to be cool with Andrew, and she just, like, didn't make the effort. And, again, maybe she's just wary because she's so codependent with Brandy that she doesn't want to do that with anyone else. Mm. But, I think that's uh, right. She could have made a little more effort. Yeah. <laughs> just just not her favorite. Not yeah. our most interesting housewife. Um, And I just – exactly. And I just think, like, she's literally just a housewife. And so is Brandy, but she's too busy, sh- like, stirring shit up to, like, forget that she- that's kind of her job. But, like – Stephanie is just a housewife, and it's kind of like, uh, anything else going on, Stephanie? <laughs> no. Nope. All right. We uh, done. Next person on the list. Okay. And my favorite was Cameron Westcott. Incredible. And my, I only say she's my favorite because I'm totally doing her accent, and she was so good. This the accent whole is amazing. I cannot get over thank it. You this is so, so thank you on point. so much. Thank you so much. So, okay. <laughs> Her highlight of the season was that she was brand new. Everything had to be like pink. Everything. <sighs> she worked on this pink dog food and according to Amazon, your dog will get the runs and it will like freak you out cuz they're going to poop pink and it's it doesn't look. Well, not only that, dogs are, cannot see color. Well, they can see a spectrum of or color. Or they're colorblind. But they, I don't think they can... I don't think they care. I mean, my dog has eaten, like, <laughs> cat shit before. Like, does it matter? True, true it's, point. Does it matter if it's, like, pink dog food? I, I honestly would freak me out if my dog, like, went to the bathroom and it was pink. I completely agree. I, I thought that was... Because totally bizarre. And you, and like and they had to put like brown in it because like it like they were peeing. They were peeing. I'm sorry. They were pooping like straight up red because of the dye. And right. I'm thinking like I've spent a lot of money at the vets and I've had to take like poop samples to my vet. I would be mortified. To take a pink and, sample. And the vet is like it's just the food. And I spent like $120 for the vet to tell me that it's the pink dog food. But she was, like, amazing because her accent was so good. And her high pony was so high. It was. That However, high pony was, was, was really fabulous. tight. It was very I Dream of Jeannie, like, very tight. So, I, bing. I'm in Highland Park. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was incredible. Speaking of Highland Park, connection to the topic earlier with politics and yes. taxes and who we are and what we are and how that makes a difference. She was a very adamant to remind everyone that she was a Westcott and definitely liked implying um, the kind of person Brandy was, AKA white trash. Right. Absolutely. She, yeah. She said, well, she kind of lives like outs. She said, <clears throat> well, doesn't she live like outside of Dallas? And like, kind of like t- cocked her head and was like, you know, you know what that means? Like the outskirts, which implies like, which let's just be let's just be honest for a second. So Brandy lives in Plano, which is a very nice affluent suburb right super. outside of Dallas. Super, super nice. Uh, Cameron lives in Highland Park, which is a very historic, old, white 
affluent uh, neighborhood Gener- in Generations. Dallas. And she's a Westcott, which means something in Dallas. She has the... I mean, I don't know what it means, but it means something. I, girl. Girl's got, girl's got a lot of money. I don't know. <laughs> what, even the last name is kind of like pretentious, like Westcott. And she's Cameron with a K. It's too much. It's <laughs> so, a little extra. You know, it's, again, this notion of like, uh, I got something that you don't. I'm something you're not. Get, it's, get it's, on my level. You're, right. you're You're trashy with your sexual chocolate. I'm better than you. Um... And then, you know, she's teaching her kids Spanish, which I think is great. They have a private Spanish tutor. But part of me was like, are they learning Spanish because she needs someone to communicate with, like, the help? Or are they learning Spanish because Spanish is an important language to know in the state of Texas because of the growing dynamic? You know, I think, like, if she I'm, wanted her to I'm be successful. I'm going to say the former, <laughs> yeah, not the I, latter. <laughs> I would think if she wanted her to be a successful businesswoman, she'd have her learning Chinese. I don't know. Just thoughts that kind of. These just are just a opinions. thought that's just floating just around a, my head. I'm just a thug in a cocktail dress with an opinion, okay? That's right. That's <laughs> right. But my favorite was Cameron trying to speak in Spanish. Hola, como estas? No gracias. Un taquito, por favor. And talking about her favorite calor. Oh, yeah. She's... Which is Spanish for heat. <laughs> As opposed to color, which is color. <laughs> She's... I thought it she was, was too much. Re- she was really annoying, but she was fun. She was. She was fun. I mean, she definitely brought just this completely outrageous, uh, just disassociated dynamic to yeah. to the show. I mean, I she think, was. I think she was white. White privilege to the. If, if to any the of them could furrow their brow at her, they would. But they can't because <laughs> they're so they're so Texas and so Botoxed out. So heavily Botoxed. But I. I want to wrap it up because I know we've we've been talking for a minute or a few minutes. <laughs> but season two, I, I just want to say so much better than season one. The cast dynamic just really worked. Um, there was an article in D Magazine that said that they are looking to cast season three. Ooh. But they're not going to take anyone out. So I'm, I'm hoping they keep everyone. Maybe that would be good. Maybe – Maybe adding friends of okay. the housewives. I think maybe they're at the level where season three they can have friends of the housewives, kind of like how Beverly Hills has, you know, Camille Grammer would come out every so often. And maybe they're trying to add that dynamic. Maybe give Carrie a more backseat, just where their storylines really aren't moving forward. Right. So I right. think that I think would that's be a great idea. I think that would be a good way for them to go for sure. I love it. Well, I, I really hope we get to see that. And, and I think. You're absolutely right. Season two was much better than season one. We just yeah. saw a lot more. Um, I'll use Leanne the character blush. Oh, that blush is horrible. Google that picture of that blush, guys, if you're listening, because that blush was horrific. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but we saw a lot more character development, I think, too. I mean, there was yeah. just more interesting things happening. There were shifting alliances. There was pink dog food. There was just, you know. Yeah. And I think sexual chocolate. Yeah. I think now, especially after watching the season, again, I told you in the beginning, I really wasn't into it, but I, they really grew on me. The other housewives, you have such a connection because you've been on for so long, but I think Dallas really hit the nail on the head that you start to like really connect with them and you start to like, kind of like, like their shenanigans, like other ones. And we'll talk about this one at some point, Real Housewives of Potomac. I just have yet to connect to anything or anyone on that show. That one but is Dallas, just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll we'll discuss it. Sure. But I just think that Dallas just 
the reunion, Leanne, the dynamics, just everything was bravo. Like, get it, bravo. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Like, <laughs> they were a good mix of fun, crazy, nothing too deep, nothing too dark, except for maybe the flesh-eating bacteria. But overall, again, a reflection of what you said, like, voy- voyeurism at its best. Absolutely. These people who have too much and nothing better to do. And we just watch them and envy them every moment. Like if my, if my life consisted of stirring shit all day, like I would take that check girl straight to the bank. (laughs) What an easy life we would have Maritza. Oh my God, Rachel, come on. If only. Someone listening, cast us. (laughs) For the love of God. God, make me famous. Uh, so okay. we are we are at the end of our time Maritza do you want to I, I know I will okay. do you want to take us out I'll take you out I'll take us out okay sorry um, <laughs> so I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of Thugs and Cocktail Dresses um, for more politics and Real Housewives side dish subscribe to us on iTunes at Thugs and Cocktail Dresses and we'll see you guys next week and remember should we do our taglines one more time Oh, sure. We could do it one more time. Okay. You go if first. If you like. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me <laughs> let me go back to my oh. favorite, favorite, favorite OG of the OC. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was poor. I was rich. I was poor again. And you know what? Having money is easier. And remember what Brandy Glanville said, the philosopher, money doesn't give you class. It just gives you money. This has been Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. We'll see you next week.